Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Lazar Wellbeing Show, your weekly dose of wellness wisdom you can trust in podcast form. And today is very exciting because it is a first for our show. Yes, it is our very first live podcast. Yeah, we recorded this fabulous interview with Eleanor Mills, who many of you will have known, obviously, from the magazine. And we recorded it live in front of a real audience on the Great Minds stage at the Advertising Week event here in London. And we talk about midlife as the age of opportunity, both for women living it and for brands, interestingly, who with the right approach can harness a market who outspend younger women by 250%. Yeah, so any of you marketeers listening... These uh, midlife women who Eleanor brilliantly has named Queenagers are extremely valuable. So we have a really interesting conversation. It was a really fun experience. And watch this space as my team and I are planning to do some more live events in the future hosting live podcasts that you could come along to. That would be really fun. I'd love to meet many of you who put faces to names behind some of the lovely comments and the reviews that you have been leaving us. Thank you. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Do make sure that you're subscribed to the Lizard Wellbeing newsletter, by the way, that comes out every Friday, because if we do do live events, then we will be putting all the details on there first. But before we dive into the interview with Eleanor, I just want to take a moment to answer some of the questions that have been coming in on social media. And top of the list, something I get asked time and time again, and this comes in from Rachel, is what does Liz's weekly exercise routine look like? Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you for your question, Rachel. And to be really honest with you, my fitness routine varies depending on my schedule, whether or not I'm traveling. But if I'm at home, it tends to follow a fairly regular pattern. And actually, I do try and keep this going when I'm away as much as I can, because I do fairly basic things, actually, that you can kind of do whenever. So Monday morning, I do always try and crack on with something first thing, because it does set me up not only for the day, but for the week ahead. I think there's that psychological thing, isn't there, of being prepared for the week ahead. So many of you will have seen on my Instagram that I got into skipping 
during lockdown. I know so many of us did. It was hard, wasn't it? All the gyms were closed and we didn't have much space necessarily to get out and about. So what to do? And my great fitness instructor and the advisor, in fact, on fitness for Liz Wellbeing magazine, Michael Gary, he sent me a skipping rope and he said, right, Liz, this is what we need to do. So you don't need to do very much. I just warm up with about three minutes or so of skipping and that gets my heart rate up. So if you're counting, that's about 250 skips. You don't have to do it all in one go. Depends how I'm feeling. Sometimes I'll do 75 skips and then stop and then another 100 and then stop and then another 50 or whatever. And you can vary it. And what I like about skipping actually is it's quite mindful as you do it. It's almost meditative. The, the bouncing up and down, the, the thwack of the rope on the floor. It's, it gets a rhythm. It's very good for your balance, very good for agility, very good for stability. And you can count as you go. So it's a very easy way, I think, of tracking your fitness. You know, you can start off with 10, 20, 30. Then you set yourself a goal. You know, can I get to a hundred? And then you can really notice as those increments go up and you can increase by just five a day or five a week. You know, you can set your own goal. Interestingly, we had a a piece in the magazine on skipping not that long ago, and there was this wonderful woman that we featured in the magazine. She was 80, and she took up skipping at 80. Yeah, and that's after a hip replacement, by the way. So it was just a joy to see her. And she does 250 skips outside in the park with her daughter. So very encouraging. And of course, you can take it anywhere with you. It's it's cheap. It's accessible. If you are traveling, if you're out and about, I have skipping rope that pretty much sits in my suitcase, frankly. So wherever I am, I can take it out. And the other thing that I've learned over the years to love is a bit of hit and that's the high intensity interval training. And I now do this using my own body weight if I'm out and about or not at home, because otherwise I'll use weights, quite heavy weights. Obviously, that's not practical to take with you. If you are at home or you've got access to a gym or whatever, then dumbbells or kettlebells are really brilliant for the extra resistance. And I think we need to bear in mind that weight-bearing exercise is absolutely essential for midlife women. It's that that's going to keep our bones and our muscles strong, as well as sort out our metabolism, help guard against osteoporosis and osteopenia, which is the kind of precursor to that. So using weights is really important. So if I'm at home and I've got my weights, I will do weighted squats. So that's literally holding weights. Kettlebells are probably the handiest to hold, actually, or you can hold dumbbells. And you just do your squats up and down onto a sofa or bench or whatever, as many times as you can safely, obviously be guided by your own body and how it feels. There are lots of tutorials online. You can have a check from a professional before you get started. So I will aim to do on a good day about 75, but I'll break that down into three sets of 25. And if I'm not feeling particularly strong, you know, maybe I've had a late night the day before or whatever, then I might just do 15 or so. If I am out and about, I will also do press-ups because you can press-ups, you can do as a weighted exercise, but you don't need any equipment. So you don't need any dumbbells or weights. And I try to do about 60 full press-ups. And if I've got my weights, I'll use them to do bicep curls, maybe 50 bicep curls using a 6K weight, one in each hand. 
And then you can do tricep dips as well, which is really easy to do. And you could do those anywhere. I try and do those during the day, actually, because you can just break off what you're doing and just do a few tricep dips. We have got all of this information actually on lizardwellbeing.com if you want to look it up. So then I do try and vary it. So if that's a Monday where I'm concentrating on skipping and a bit of weight training, Tuesday, I might then vary the pace and go for a run. I've got a treadmill at home, which I'll run on or getting outside. Obviously, it's great to be outdoors if we can. And you kill two birds with one stone because you get outside, you get your fresh air, you get your vitamin D, you get a chance to be in nature, even if it's just running in a park. And of course, you get your running in as well. Really important to stretch, especially afterwards. I do a good stretch for my calves and hamstrings and quads. That really helps to make sure that my muscles aren't sore the next day. Wednesday, I will then try and vary it up a bit, maybe do some lunges or some squats or some squat jumps. Every fitness trainer I think I've ever met has talked about the value of lunges. And I like them because they're quick. They're relatively easy and they're very effective. They target the quads, the glutes, biggest muscles of the body. There's some research to suggest that they can stimulate stem cell regeneration. So really good as we age and they are fast and you just get them over and done with and out of the way. Thursdays might be a bit easier. I'll just go out for a walk, maybe do some errands running around, maybe put on a backpack, even if I haven't actually got much to take out with me, you can load up a backpack, even if it's just with some tins or some filled up water bottles or something, just to give you that extra little bit of resistance and extra bit of weight training. Friday, I will then try and end the week also with a bit of skipping and some weights. So I kind of repeat my Mondays and my Fridays. And then weekend, well, I think weekends for all of us, probably a time to dial back a bit. So I try and do an online yoga class with some girlfriends on a Saturday morning. That's become a bit of a regular thing, first thing. And I love that. I love the kind of chill out time of a bit of yoga. Also really good, of course, to stretch and to maintain some suppleness. And then Sunday, classic day off, day of rest. Although having said that, I do try and engineer it so that I can get my kids out for a nice walk in the countryside. But to be honest, it's more of a stroll. It's not really kind of a fitness thing, but it is, it is being active. And I think that's what it's all about really, isn't it? It's varying it. I think the body loves variety. So if you're a runner, for example, if you're running every day, that's okay, but you do need to bring in some other things. You need to bring in some yoga stretches or some weights or some skipping or just something else that will mix it up a bit. And I think that's how we can get maximum benefit. Well, I hope that's helpful, Rachel. It's given you a few ideas, some motivation, perhaps for your own exercise journey. If you'd like any more inspiration, of course, there's the podcast episode that I've recorded with Michael Gary. He's uh, got some great advice actually for beginners, as well as for those looking to step up their fitness. So if you just go into your podcast provider app or platform and then just look up the Lizard Wellbeing Show with Michael Gary, and that's Gary spelt with a double R, G-A-R-R-Y. And you'll find him on social media as well. So he's one of the advisors for the magazine. And of course, subscribing to the magazine is just a great idea because it's literally bursting with this stuff. And we have tried very hard to bring on board the best voices and trusted experts in the wellness space. And one such brilliant writer is Eleanor Mills. She is the founder of Noon, 
which is a platform deliberately targeting midlife women, midlife women and beyond, specifically talking about work, returning to work and relationships. She is the most brilliant person we're about to hear from her. So I won't give her too much of a build up here because she'll talk about her background, but she is just a joy to listen to and also a joy to read. I loved particularly the fabulous column that she wrote in the magazine not that long ago, all about magic mushrooms and how she went on an extraordinary retreat in Jamaica and was writing about new tropics and extraordinary ways to develop mental health. So she's a great writer and I'm very pleased that she's a contributor to my magazine. Well, here she is now talking with me live at this great podcasting event. And we talk about the power of being a queenager who brands and businesses would be very foolish to overlook. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. And welcome to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show. And today's episode is a bit special because it is being recorded in front of a whole cinema filled with the great and the good from the world of advertising. If you'd like to give the folks listening at home a little cheer. See, they are real. So we are coming to you almost live from Advertising Week Europe in the centre of London. So if you see that this podcast has a shiny new sponsor, you'll know that it's gone really well. (laughs) And if not, well, we can just leave it there, can't we? Now, I have indeed brought with me the most exceptional guest today. And regular listeners will remember her from an episode a few months ago, especially the part about magic mushrooms. That's for everyone in the room listening. Uh, Perhaps we'll have a little bit more on that a bit later on. She is, of course, the multi-award winning journalist, writer, broadcaster, founder and editor of the midlife website Noon. And her philosophy on how to tackle our middle years and beyond is both refreshing and thought-provoking. And she's here to talk to us today about the power of the queenager, the women often written off as menopausal. And believe it or not, this section of society outspends its younger counterpart by 250%. That's also got the room's attention. So what does it mean, midlife, for women living it and the brands who can potentially harness it? I'm very welcome. I'm pleased and welcome. (laughs) I'm welcoming you, Eleanor, again. It's really, really good to see you again. So I guess the first question is, what is a queenager? A queenager is a woman who is coming into her prime. So uh, technically, she's aged between 45 and 60. We've just done the biggest piece of research to date uh, with Accenture, looking at these women and what they're interested in, what they spend money on. And really crucial, I think, for this audience, how they feel massively unrepresented and kind of traduced, actually, by the way that they are often depicted in real life. So um, we found that um, nearly 70% of them... um, Um, would say that they would be much more likely to buy a product from a brand that represented them as they are. Um, And nearly 50% of them say they don't feel represented at all within advertising or within the mainstream media. So I I set up Noon. I mean, my background briefly is um, I was the editor of the Sunday Times magazine, columnist, all those kind of things on the Sunday Times for 22 years. Um, And I realised that there was a big hole in the mainstream media where stories about older women and the incredible things that 
I could see all these women around me doing should be. And it was increasingly difficult to get those stories into the newspaper. You'd go to a senior male editor and go, I've got this amazing story. I did a great story for the Sunday Times magazine called Britain's Forgotten Army about all the women who'd left their jobs to look after their kids and couldn't get back into the careers that they'd loved, which is one of the most successful articles we ever ran. And yet trying to do any follow-ups around that was really difficult. You'd hit a kind of, you know, there's a whole culture on newspapers where they use women to freshen up a page. I'm, just, I'm, sure, I'm sure some of this is also quite relevant to some of you in advertising, because I know you do use the same tricks. Um, so kind of freshen up a page in the business section, it would be a sea of old white grey-haired chaps. And then you'd have a woman, you know, a woman on a catwalk to kind of to brighten up the page. So if, if you took if you took an if you took something to an editor with an old woman, you know, older woman on it, they go, oh, can't, can't we have a picture of her when she was younger? Sorry, my I shouldn't be taking a piss out of my old my uh, old editors. But there would be there was a really strong sense of quite an ageist agenda, and I think that women, particularly queen agers, get hit by a intersectionality of where gender meets age, and you get a real kind of double whammy on that. And I think that there's a mainstream view that men age rather like fine wine. They just get better, silver foxes, all that kind of narrative. Whereas women are seen as peaches, one wrinkle and you're out. And my crusade now is to change that narrative about the later parts of women's lives. I have daughters who are 19 and 17. I want them to look forward to being 50 as the age when they become the women they're supposed to be, where they move into their prime, where it's about legacy and purpose and fulfilling all those ambitions and dreams they had when they were younger. And that is currently not the narrative we tell younger women. It's not the narrative that society gives. And for me, it's the last bastion of feminism to make these later bits of women's lives count. And that matters to brands because these women are sitting on so much disposable income. So in our research we did with uh, Accenture, we talked to a lot of these women. One woman was a partner in a law firm. She was like, I'm 50. I've got no kids. I am disposable income Arama. But when it which I love but when it comes to brands, I am completely invisible. And so why why is that? Bonkers. I mean, why is it in today's culture that midlife women and beyond are so invisible? And I speak as somebody very invested in this. It is actually my 59th birthday today, so I'm technically in my 60th year. Uh, quite a scary thought. And yes, there is that sense of invisibility in in the media and beyond. But why? Why? How has that arisen? Well, I was chair of women in journalism for nearly 10 years. And uh, during that time, we used to talk about the male lens. And the male lens, I think, is... um summed up in its most egregious form by when Nicola Sturgeon went to meet Theresa May to discuss Brexit. And one of the tabloid's front page headlines the next day was, forget about Brexit, it's all about Lexit. And they had a picture of Theresa May next to Nicola Sturgeon. And basically, and it was about who had the sexiest legs. And the implication was, doesn't matter how powerful you are, how important the issue is you're discussing, if you're a woman, you are only judged by your appearance. And I think that that sense of a male lens, it pervades our culture. It's not just in the media, in the newspapers and in TV and everything. It's also in advertising and in marketing. And when you hit that male lens means that there is a huge segment of the population who, may I say, women 45 to 60 control 95% of all household spending and outspend millennials by 250%. Forbes calls her a, a super consumer. And yet... 
brands do not address these women because I think because of the male lens that they don't want to see older women on their advertising. Someone was joking to me about going, oh, well, the CEO would much rather hang out with Kim Kardashian. So I think that there really is something in that. And the double whammy of gendered ageism means that these women go unseen. They feel invisible in society. And recently we've had this whole thing around um, menopause. You know, Davina McCall, I think, has done some amazing stuff. But I think brands are getting it wrong. I was advising, I won't mention any names here, I was advising someone um, the other day who were thinking of launching um, a a kind of range of products, I won't say exactly what it was, for, um, uh, they were going to direct it at menopausal hair. And their idea was that they were going to get a young influencer to dye her hair grey and then try the product. And I was like, well, that is not going to work. What our research shows really strongly is that the women hate the kind of Amanda Holden effect or the fact that the only women who are ever served up to them as representing them are ones who look ridiculously, freakishly, you know, young for their age. So that is the kind of thing which will massively backfire. And in fact, our research shows that um, 85% of the women, we did some research with Vision Express last year. We've done a campaign for them called See Yourself Differently in Midlife, which is all about really harnessing the optimism about of what people women are capable of at this point but that shows 80% of the women said they did not want to be branded as a walking hot flush and I think some of you might think about you know marketing stuff to people as menopausal is a bit like saying to a group of men oh you're in the limp dick years you know (laughs) kind of oh you know menopausal lovely lovely it's like you know oh it's prostatitis time I mean you know come on I think this is the first time Eleanor that we've had the words limp dick on the Liz Our Wellbeing Show podcast. So thank you for that inaugural expression. You heard it here first, folks. No, I'm really, you know, but, but, but not being facetious. I think, of course, women want information. There's a massive health inequality between the amount of money spent on researching male diseases and female diseases. If you yeah. read Credit Perez's book about all the invisible women, there's amazing data now about how women's illnesses don't get looked at. So I think that there's a huge inequality around menopause provision. Yes, we want HRT. Yes, we want information. But we don't want to be branded menopausal. We want the treatment mm-hmm. so we can get on and live these amazing lives that I'm talking about. So we're queen ages are busy starting businesses at a faster rate than any other demographic. And those those businesses are all also much more likely to be successful because these women have a different kind of attitude to risk. It's why all merchant banks are looking for female risk financial risk assessment officers because women's risk assessment is seen as really interesting. And a lot of these women um, I mean, I think one of the really interesting things about Queen Ages is nearly 30% of them, this is the ABC1 professionals, so university-educated women 45 to 60, do not have children. And half of those women have intentionally decided not to have children. They're disposable income arama, that lot. You know, they've got all this money, no kids to, you know, going, mum, can we buy me this pair of shoes? And so I think that they are a really crucial demographic and no brands are talking to them at all. No. So there are these huge kind of holes, I think, in the way that we think about older audiences. And the other weird statistic I love is that in America, in 2025, 50% of the workforce will be over 50 and the difference here is that we are, um, and our research really shows this, is this is a pioneering generation of women. There have never been women like us before. And it's there in the, in the um, census. So 2019 census, women over 40 start earning more money than women under 40 for the first time ever. 
And that it always used to be that women, uh, women's earnings kept pace with men during their 20s and then kind of all into 30s. And then as soon as they had children, their earnings tapered off, which is why women under 40 always earned more. But now women over 40 are earning more. That shows that there's been a flip. Women are sticking with their careers. I've worked ever since I left university in 1992. I reckon I'm going to go on working till I die. And a lot of other women are like that. And there's also this cohort who don't have kids. And for them, work is legacy, purpose. They're building businesses or um, charities or those kind of things because that is their legacy. And I think we really need to think about what we leave behind for all these women who don't have kids. And again, that's a huge, like vast, like wasteland where nobody's thinking about that or talking about that in the mainstream. So I just think there's so much rich content in these women, so many optimistic, incredible stories to tell. And they've also got huge amounts of money to spend. And they say that they'd be much more likely to spend money from brands that represent them. So I think this is a huge opportunity. And I don't understand. I mean, I'm kind of new to the ad world, but I don't really understand why more brands aren't talking to our queen ages. I think that is really relevant, isn't it? You know, we are very different. Our generation is very different to our mother's generation. And yet, where are the relatable, trusted role models? As you say, you know, if you're going... Well, thank you. (laughs) But, you know, if if you're going to get a young Dolly to dye her hair grey to then promote a grey-haired product, you know, we need to be trustworthy. We need to be authentic. And certainly we find at Liz Our Wellbeing that we have a very, very hungry audience. And if I say, I love this, it works for me, you know, they hoover it up. Mm. Their people are hungry for this information, but it has to come from trusted, credible sources. You can't just make it up. And I think, you know, we have evolved as a generation but the media hasn't kind of caught up with that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I totally think that. I mean, what I used to do as a journalist every week as a columnist on the Sunday Times as the editor of the magazine was I was trying to find, we were always surfing the zeitgeist. Journalists are good at picking up on what's coming that the rest of the world hasn't quite realised yet. And I can see, I could see this coming as a huge wave. I'm 51, I'm at the kind of upper end of Gen X. And I can see phalanxes of women coming up behind me into midlife who are very, very different from the generations that have gone before and have huge amounts of money to spend and brands not speaking to them or if they do speak to them getting it incredibly wrong and what we see with our noon community so we now have a a community of 40,000 professional women who who kind of you know get my newsletter and we're now doing tone of voice we do kind of research kind of focus groups sampling with our audience so that because these women are picky we call them forged in fire you know they have a lot of hard-earned wisdom they are nobody's fools and actually one of the most interesting things in the research is that it's the women who really been through the mill. Divorce, bereavement, redundancy, kids who, you know, with anxiety disorders, elderly parents falling to bits, their their own health issues, menopause. You know, it's women who've really been through four or five of those who have then set up for themselves the lives that they want. And actually the ones who were happiest were the ones who had been through a lot and now had got their lives as they wanted it. So lots of the women talk about being delightedly divorced. (laughs) (laughs) And they talk a lot about coming into their prime and having looked after everybody else for quite a long time if they've had kids and this being their moment of saying, finally, this is about me. And then really interesting things about what women want from companies as well and how they, you know, they value kind of work-life balance and being in charge of their own time, 16 times Mm -hmm. more than pure kind of kudos or kind of success. And yet, 
so many companies are just rewarding women with the kind of big corner office, which is such a male paradigm. So there's so many interesting insights, I think, into these women, which the rest of the world just hasn't caught up with. But what I love about it most is just mm. the, is the incredible optimism. It's the amazing things that these women are doing. I can see sitting in the audience here is one of the women who came on one of our, one of our first noon retreats that we ran for an incredible bunch of women, kind of, you know, 50 plus. And in that, they were running the health service. They were running huge brands. They were these amazing women. And yet the mainstream society doesn't see them. So I think this is a massive opportunity because how often do you get like a whole bit of the map which is white space which is basically being completely ignored by all these brands with all these women with tons of money to spend you just need to talk to them right oh isn't eleanor mills fabulous well i just have to jump in here to let you know that we're going to take a very quick ad break but when we come back we will hear about eleanor's experience with magic mushrooms and how she thinks women in midlife can feel reborn when they dare to flex their transitional muscles don't go away Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show episode, which was recorded live at Advertising Week in London, where I got to talk to the brilliant writer, Eleanor Mills. 
Well, I know that you talk a lot about mental health and that sort of part, and that's a very important part of growing older and, and being happy in your space. And that's certainly something that we do at Lizard Wellbeing. And the article that you wrote for us recently for the magazine, I'm going to have to touch on this because I did mention the words magic mushrooms at the beginning. And this is very relevant because Eleanor went off as part of your research, all in the interest of research, I should say, to an extraordinary retreat. And we're looking at nootropics and psilocybin and kind of the cutting edge of of wellness and well-being, would you like to feed back just a little bit on your experience and the relevance perhaps to older women? Yeah, well, actually, I went um, in my job as editor of the Sunday Times magazine. My main interviewer, who's a woman called Decca Aikenhead, her husband had drowned in Jamaica like seven years before. And she had really bad PTSD and felt that she couldn't really feel anything anymore. I'm not speaking out of turn because she wrote the most brilliant article for me about the whole retreat, which actually won the BBC's Feature of the Year prize. It was Amal Rajan's favourite feature of the year. It's an incredible story about going to Jamaica and taking magic mushrooms for trauma because it can reset the way the brain works. It's a bit, a bit like if you're skiing and there's fresh snow down the piste and you, therefore the old tracks aren't there anymore. So you can kind of carve a new line and it seems to really help people with addiction or anxiety disorders who were going around the same grooves in their mind. And it really, really worked for her. So I went with her for a week and we did three big doses of magic mushrooms in one week. And um, it was really, it was transformational. I actually came up with the idea for noon while I was um, there. It's not bonkers. Wow, wow. Um, But I, I had this sense of a huge transformation and a sense of possibility. And I think that all of us, when we get to midlife, need to re examine our lives and think about what we really care about and what our purpose is and what our legacy is. And I think, particularly for women, and everybody by this point has stuff that they need to shed and things we need to get rid of. And I think that what the psilocybin does is it um, allows you to see yourself kind of in 360 degrees, kind of from the outside, and you realise the things that you no longer need to carry around in your life. And uh, there's amazing... I'm really interested in the research from Imperial College and from the John Hopkins in America and from Harvard. The really cutting-edge science is saying that this is the way that kind of um, mental wellness is really going. And I wrote about this for Liz. Yeah, and it's <laughs> but I think an excellent that- piece. <laughs> But that sense of transformation, that shift in midlife is mm-hmm. crucial. There's a brilliant book called The Hundred Year Life by a woman called Linda Gratton. And that talks about if we're all going to live for that long, one of the key muscles that we have to all exercise, your brilliance on this list, is, um, is that our transitional muscles. How do you shift from one thing to another? I was at the Sunday Times for nearly 25 years. Very few people I know have been in jobs for that long. And of course, when you shift from one thing into another thing, that's really hard. You shed stuff, you have to reevaluate your life, you have to really think about what you want to do next. It's actually a massive opportunity. It's like a renaissance, a rebirth. But I think all of us are going to have to get better at making those transformational shifts. And so thinking about how we strengthen the muscles to do that is a really really key part of midlife. I mean, there's always been jokes about midlife crisis and that kind of thing. But really, I think midlife is about a re-evaluation. I call my company Noon because in the 100-year life, 50 is only halfway through. And I think we all need to kind of reset 
step and rethink about what that looks like. And in a broader marketing advertising terms, there's a huge opportunity in this kind of small silver market. And also, I've always been interested in all of you, you all have these plans which say kind of 45 plus, as if everyone 45 plus was the same. But actually, with everybody living so long, I think we have to get much better at differentiating and segmenting that 45 plus market, because you're missing so much richness, so much opportunity for change, for stories, and for transition. And we built a community completely organically in a year on the basis of this optimistic narrative about changing the stories we tell people about the later parts of women's lives and really celebrating what they're doing rather than denigrating them through an old male lens of, you know, once you're wrinkly and and men don't fancy you anymore, then you've had it and you don't matter anymore. And that is the thing that I'm really trying to challenge. Well, you are great at it. And obviously, we could sit here and chat for hours, but alas, we can't. It's great to talk to you. And I'm sure there may be some questions from the floor. We do have just a couple of minutes. So if you do have a question for Eleanor, if you'd like to pop your hand up, we have a couple of roving mics, as long as you don't mind being recorded for the podcast. Has anybody got a a question for Eleanor? Yes. Um, Amazing. Really, really inspirational discussion. Are there any brands that you think are doing this well and that could be media it could be retail in any sector you like really um it's a great question um i think media wise it's a real problem if you just think of the names of the magazines which are directed at women of 50 good housekeeping (laughs) house and home you know woman and home i mean please i don't want to be identified with any of those things which is why on noon everything we do is about creating a kind of groovy gang of of queen ages you know not kind of people in with gray hair in like orthopedic sandals which is what the others those magazines kind of make me think so i think that there's a real problem in terms of media brands and certainly my experience the mainstream media newspapers this is not something they're particularly interested in talking about and so you get a bit of kind of sexified kind of older women maybe occasionally in something about you know sex after divorce or something but they're not really tackling the issues of these women in terms of other brands i love fabletics I love the fact that their diversity, they're showing all sorts of exercise clothes and tight things on different kinds of body shapes. And Good American, I think, is brilliant for that as well, jeans. There's a place, some people called Seaborne Cruises in America who have done a whole different kind of advertising for cruises, which is all based on women in midlife coming into their prime. Because, of course, they're the ones who actually book most of the cruises but that's really good and it's been done by some people called grace creative in la who are a um, whole bunch of older female creators and i think it's really important to get the tone right that it's actually done by you by women who are really kind of walking the walk not just talking the talk and from our research the brands that the women single out it's doing it really well are places like runners need they, one woman said, I spent 160 quid on these uh, trainers, but they felt like duvets on my feet, so I didn't care. Or Bravissimo, again, really catering for different kinds of body shapes. It's the people who are not patronising them, but are really giving them what they need. And these women will really spend money. I mean, what one woman said, being a queenager, it's like being a teenager, but with really nice sheets and posh tea in my own house, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. And they're talking about like going to stereophonics gigs, and they don't book the ones with seats anymore because they want to dance all night. And uh, Jo Wiley, who I did this campaign for Vision Express with, says that all the women in her anth- in the audiences of her anthems tour are, you know, 
something. You know, I, I was 19 in the summer of love in 1889. We were all jumping up and down on our hay bales, um, taking things we maybe shouldn't have. And they're now all still going at, um, at Joe Wiley's kind of concerts. So the idea that those women are being sold things through good housekeeping just strikes me as absolutely bonkers. That's the level of the disjunct. But I think that there are some brands who are really beginning to get it. And, and the women also love things like North Face. They like things which do, that they'll spend money on stuff which does good things for them. But they hate greenwashing. They like Sweaty Betty, actually, interestingly, because they have a proper sustainability thing. If you take things back, they'll kind of reuse them and things like Tom's. But they're, they're very suspicious of mainstream brands come really low. They really don't like the way Big Pharma talks to them. That came out very clearly. And a lot of the beauty brands came out really badly, too, because although they diversified in terms of, you know, race now in a lot of their um, adverts and sexual orientation, they're still not showing older women or if they do, it's in a very kind of, oh, let me fill in the wrinkles way. I mean, you know, the only things that anyone ever tries to sell us are tenor incontinence pants. All those appalling, you know, walking down the beach with your kind of grey-haired husband kind of thing. So if you think that 40% of the women are on their own and then, you know... uh, uh, 25% don't have kids. The way that they're being typecast in a lot of adverts is absolutely mad. And that's not how they want to be seen. And that is not what they'll buy stuff off. I mean, we've got real chapter and verse on this because we've done a whole series of focus groups around the country and a um, a quantitative uh, survey with Accenture. It's like proper data. So we can really say and show brands what they're getting wrong and how they communicate with these people. It's interesting what you say about sustainability. I was actually asked at Christmas to be part of an underwear campaign with a sustainable brand. And my instant reaction was no way being photographed in my bra and pants. (laughs) And I sense checked it with my daughters, 31 and 21, thinking they'd go, oh, no, mum, that's so embarrassing. And their immediate reaction was, oh, my goodness, that's so cool. That's so empowering. You know, we would love to see older women. So, yeah, six weeks crash course in the gym and I actually did it. So hopefully (laughs) hopefully we will see a little bit more of that in the future. There's one question here. I think if it's a quick one, we might have time. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was so interesting. Just a quick question. You kind of unpack this a little bit, but as you say, it's kind of don't want to say an un- untapped market, but, mm. you know, that kind of area. There's obviously a lot of kind of people in business that look at, you know, growth and how we get more consumers in. Yeah. Kind of in, I guess, the summary, what are the reasons you think that businesses aren't really tapping into this market at the moment and kind of okay. how are they being missed? All right. Number one, male lens, as I explained. Number two, a kind of laziness which we see in a lot of how kind of media... I mean, I think the, the figures in the advertising industry is 6% of the advertising industry are people over 50. So that includes all the senior men who are, you know, running loads of stuff. And only 2% of adverts feature older women. And why is that happening? I think largely because of what I call gendered ageism, which is this kind of, you know, mental block. I think also, to be fair, these are a pioneering generation. We're a pioneering generation. There haven't been women like us before, which is why you see all those kind of old school media titles. But I think that it's really ripe for a shake-up. And what I see at noon is loads and loads of amazing 50-something female entrepreneurs coming to us with incredible products for this market. And they've kind of almost given up trying to get them into the mainstream. So we now do a noon marketplace so women can kind of sell to each other. 
But I think that there's a, there's a real opportunity here for brands to get it right. I think it's really important to get the, the tone of voice right. I mean, doing the younger influencer with the grey hair. I mean, that is like could not be worse. But if you think that most of the people who are planning campaigns are really young, they put, you know, they, they don't know. So I think there's a knowledge gap, which is like where I hope something like Nin and, you know, Liz can really kind of jump in and explain to you and, and help you get it right with the aid of all our focus groups and the women. But I think it's just been a blind spot, obviously. And I think older people have been a blind spot. So it's in all your campaigns, it seems to be like over 45s are just this kind of monoglot you know, blob. But I think in the same way that we're all waking up to different kinds of diversity, and you now wouldn't dream of putting out an all white advert, for instance, I hope that this age part of diversity, which is always the bit which is forgotten, and particularly older women, voices of marginalised in almost all cultures, is something that needs to be readdressed, particularly now that these women are, um, are such a powerhouse of financial kind of, you know, lucrativeness. I mean, well, coming in is as a... a really good note to end on. Sorry, Eleanor, we could go on. A powerhouse of lucrativeness. Excellent. <laughs> I'm afraid that is all we've got time for here at Ad Week Europe, but we will definitely keep talking about the topic. A very big thank you to my guest, Eleanor Mills. Please do take a look at Noon and all the fabulous content on there, including the Queenager research. Thank you for being such a great audience here in London. Thanks to you at home for listening. Please do subscribe through your podcast app so you never miss an episode of the Lazar Wellbeing Show. But for me now, thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Well, that was our very first podcast episode in front of a live audience. And wow, wasn't Eleanor Mills just the perfect guest? Thank you again to the audience at Advertising Week in London for allowing us to record during one of your sessions. And thank you too for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that it resonated wherever you are. Well, if you have a question that you'd like to hear me answer on the podcast, do send my team a message. They're at Lizar Wellbeing right across social media. Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the usual suspects, not forgetting Facebook, even on TikTok. There you are. Well, in the meantime, I'll be back next Friday with another dose of wellness wisdom you can trust. Until then, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is a Fresh Air production with thanks to my producers, Ellie Smith, Chesie Bent and Sarah Moore. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.